0: Please bow your heads with me as I pray. Father in heaven, we come to you now. We thank you for your presence that's here, that's just so sweet, and we acknowledge you before us, and we ask that you guide and lead this time as we journey into your word. We ask that you'd teach us. We ask that you'd help us to see you. We ask that you continue to help us to encounter you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Did that do anything? did what I just did right there, that time where I just prayed and I say those words to God, did that do anything? Do we believe it did anything? Do we believe that what I shared last week about the fact that when we go before God and we talk, we have the ear of the creator of the universe? And... Do we really believe that when we talk to him, it's not just this religious exercise or this thing we do by rote, but that we're actually touching the heart of the one who created all things? Do we actually believe that? Did that do anything? You know, there's a time in my life where I said I believe that, but I really didn't believe it. There's a time in my life where I said I believe that, but I really didn't believe it because as a youth pastor during this time in my life, I was just moving and I was going to activity to activity to activity to appointment to appointment to appointment to person to person to person, and I was just rolling. And the only time I ever opened this book was when I had to teach from it. The only time I ever had a prayer, the only time I ever prayed is when my job required me to. And I just kind of was caught up in the motions of doing this things. And I told people things like, oh, I believe in prayer, but I really didn't because my life wasn't mirroring that. And you know what? I did that for a very long time. I did that probably for a couple of years. And you know what? Everyone says, well, if you do that, then people are going to see and notice and there's going to be, a th-. no one knew. No one knew. You know why? Because I was able to play the Christian game really, really well. I knew how to look like a Christian, how to sound like a Christian, how to act like a Christian, and I did it by rote, and it was almost like I'd be going through the motions, and I didn't even realize I was going through the motions. I was, like, playing the game, and I didn't even realize I was playing the game. I just did all this stuff, but yet my heart was shrinking. And what finally was the wake-up call for me It wasn't that someone came and talked to me. It wasn't like my life fell apart. It wasn't... I just didn't like the person I was becoming. I didn't like the person I was becoming. I knew Jesus promised transformation. Jesus promised a whole new way of life, and I was experiencing almost the opposite, and I just knew there had to be something bigger than this. Which leads me to a question. And the question for us that I want to look at is this. Do we believe... Prayer can unlock the deepest longing of the human heart. Do we really believe that prayer can unlock the deepest longing of the human heart? Because here's what I know to be true. I know that prayer is the pathway to the two things that matter most in the human soul. Prayer is the pathway to the two things that matter most in the human soul. And as we dive into the scripture we're gonna look at this morning, we're gonna discover those two things. Because when I was on the edge and I was realizing I don't like the person I'm becoming and how do I change this and what do I do? It was this verse that the Holy Spirit used to kind of bring me back to the realization of what it really means to be with God and what it really means to become the person he intends us to be. So in our Bible passage today, we're going to look at the two ultimate desires of the human heart, and we're going to see that though we search for these things in so many places... They're found when we engage our hearts in prayer. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to open it up to Matthew. If you're new to this thing called the Bible, we're so glad you're here checking it out. Matthew is about three-quarters of the way through. If you open it up, and uh, it's the first book of the New Testament. Uh, if you run through some Old Testament names that you're seeing there, keep going to the right. If you hit Mark, Luke, or John, you went a little too far, come back. If you're using the Bible we provide for you here in the Worship Center, I'll be on page 864. 864. We are in a series called Habits of Grace where we're looking at the Pathways that the church through the ages has used to connect with God and to become the person that He wants us to be. Habits of Grace was taken from a title. I uh, didn't come up with that on my own. I stole it from a great book that I read called Habits of Grace by Dave Mathis. And in this book, Dave Mathis looks at three ways that we connect with God and grow. One is that we hear His Word, which is the Bible. That we have His ear, which is prayer, and that we live in His body, which is the church. And so today, I'm. of part two on have his ear where we're talking about prayer. And when we dive into this, we're going to see that prayer helps satisfy the two deepest longings of the human heart. And so let's take a look at longing number one, verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and revealed them to infants. Now, Jesus, right before he says this, is addressing two types of situations. First, he's addressing these cities. There was these cities that he was doing ministry in, and he was revealing to these cities who he was by his miracles and his preaching and his teaching, and the cities didn't respond. They didn't even acknowledge who He was. And then he also saw these religious rulers called Pharisees, and they were kind of on the side, and they thought they knew it all. They had everything figured out spiritually. They were the people that everyone wanted to be like, and he had these two people in mind as he's saying these things, and he says something here that is just so incredible. He says that God is selective in who he reveals himself deeply to. God is selective In who he reveals himself deeply to. Now, before you get alarmed by that, let me explain what I'm talking about. In one sense, God has revealed himself to every human being. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 1 that through creation and through conscience, God has revealed himself to every single human being that lives. That's called what theologians call general revelation, that God has revealed himself through creation and conscience so that no person can say, I ever knew that God existed. See, general revelation is dangerous because it leaves human beings without an excuse because we have enough information to know there could be a God out there through creation and conscience. So that's general revelation. God also gives us what's called special revelation, which is the Bible and the words of Jesus Christ. And so if you live and you see creation and you have a conscience and you are in a spot where you're blessed enough to have the words of God, you have a revelation from God. God has revealed himself to you. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. Everyone has some kind of knowledge of God and some kind of idea that he exists. But here in verse 25, God is referring to a special disclosure of his heart where the veil of sin is lifted from a person's eyes and they see him as he truly is. And when that happens and that exchange takes place where this person comes into God's presence and this veil is lifted from their heart and they see who God is, something incredible takes place. God shares with them the secrets of of his heart and they begin to know who he is and their eyes are enlightened. And when that happens, the number one longing of the deepest heart within a human being is fulfilled because the number one longing of a human heart is to know God. The number one longing is the fact that we need God. Our need for God is the number one longing that's within this human heart. And what God is saying here is that when you come in, God is selective There's a qualification to those that truly get to taste and and have that quest, that need for God fulfilled. Now, what is he selective of? It says here that you have hidden these things. Now, what are these things? These things are the identity of Jesus, who he was, the fact that he was the Messiah, the fact that he went and took and became your sin and my sin and went to a cross and paid the penalty for our sins before God. Jesus and who he was in his mission. That's one part of these things. The other part of these things is God's kingdom. That the kingdom that God has sent and Jesus when he came to earth to establish, to begin, this kingdom of love, this kingdom of power, this kingdom of his glory that began before time and is going to end when Christ comes to earth again. These are the things the person of Jesus' identity and the kingdom of God. It says these are hidden from a group of people and they're revealed to another group of people. They're hidden to some and they're revealed to another. Who are they hidden from? It says they're hidden from the wise and intelligent They're hidden from those who are wise in their own eyes. They're hidden from those who think, I got this Christianity thing all figured out. They're hidden from those who have this arrogance and pride that says, I know about God and I will interpret it the way I want, thank you very much. They're the ones that just have this attitude or this aura that they have it all figured out. Or it could also be those that just run the rat race of life, and never acknowledge that God is even alive, that God is even existing, or God is even here, because by their own actions, what they are declaring is, God, I know better than you. God, I can exist on my own. God, I can sustain and do what I need to do. God, I have this whole thing called life figured out. You see, that's the arrogant and pride, and what this verse is saying is there's deep things that God wants to reveal to his children, Deep things of his heart that he withholds from those who have this pride and arrogance. He hides it from them that they don't get to see it. But who gets to see it? It says infants. Infants get to see it. What he means by that is that those who are humble, those who are dependent, those who are childlike in their faith and their trust, who believe that God is so real because how could God not be real? You know, infants and young kids have this wonder-like about them, about the world, and what God is saying is you look at that and those that express that in their spiritual life, they get to see the deep things in my heart. They get to come in a little closer. They get to see and understand who I am. They get to understand who Jesus is deeply. They get to understand the things of the kingdom. It's an amazing thing that God is unveiling the heart of the person who is humble, who is broken, who is needy, who is yielding. To those who are humble, they get to see these very special things and have these greater understandings of who Jesus is in his kingdom. You see, this is why humility is so very, very important and pride is so very, very dangerous. But here's the thing. If you're like me, it's so easy to get on that rat race where I just start flying at Mach 5 in my schedules and doing different things, and I act as if God doesn't even exist. You see, the thing I talked about where I was at before, it's still a struggle today if I'm honest. That's why I have to be intentional about my times away with God. I have to be intentional about when I'm building time in my life for him to get to know him because I don't want to miss it. I want to know the deep things of God. I want to understand Jesus all the more. I want to understand his kingdom. I want to be one of God's kids that just is so close to him that I could feel it. Jesus says something amazing. He gets excited about this in verse 26. He says, yes, Father. You know, I've been looking at this all week, and then when uh, first service, when Eileen read it, it just kind of jumped at me. I saw how excited Jesus is. He says, yes, Father, because this was your good pleasure. You see, what Jesus is saying is, God the Father, anytime you exercise your authority, your right, your sovereignty, I love it. That's what Jesus is saying He's saying, anytime you do that God stuff, I just love it. Anytime you exercise your power, you declare who you are, you reveal the God you are, I just love it. Yes, more of God. You see in Jesus this just total agreement and, and total uh, just giving glory to God the Father when he acts the way he is supposed to act because that's the only way he can act. And Jesus says, I love it. verse 27 All things have been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal him. Now this almost sounds like Jesus is saying that no one will know me and no one will know God except I can know the Father and the Father can know me, but no one else will know him. But that's not what he's saying because that's not what the Bible tells us. The word there, knows, the actual verb there in the original is in what's called the intense form, which basically what Jesus is saying here is no one really knows the Father except the Son, and no one really knows the Son except the Father. There's this intensity to it. So what Jesus is saying is that his children can know who God is, but we will never know God exhaustively, like God the Son knows God the Father, and God the Father knows God the Son. You see, we will know kind Kind of in part we will know enough to have a relationship and to grow in that but we will never figure him out exhaustively because if we could he wouldn't be god you see he's the creator we're the creation if the creation could know the creator exhaustively then the creator wouldn't be the creator so what he's saying here is not that We'll never know God. He's just saying no one really knows. And another way you can look at this, in the Old Testament, the word when they would talk about knowing, it wasn't so much about knowledge. It was about deep, close relationship. And so we, when we come at the humble, broken, needy heart, we are brought into this deep, close relationship with God Almighty. And it's an amazing thing to those who are humble, those who have childlike faith, those who trust him when it seems crazy to trust him. You see, the world thinks we're nuts for coming here on a Sunday morning and worshiping God. And it seems just so foreign. But when we exercise that faith like a child that just says, you know what, I'm going to be there because I want to be with God. God reveals to that heart who He is, and Jesus brings them into deep communion. Jesus brings them into deep relationship to this place where they find true life and fulfillment. So, what does that have to do with prayer? That's a really good question. One of the deepest longings of our heart is to know God. How do we get that longing? through humility and childlike trust. How is that expressed? Through prayer. When we pray and we say, God, I need you, God, I, and we even if we don't talk, just by acknowledging God's presence, by bringing our hearts into his presence and pausing and saying with our actions, God, you are the most important thing in this world that all that I'm doing now can pause and stop because of who you are and what you're doing. See, that heart, that attitude, that attitude Awareness is an act of humility and dependence and childlike trust that says, God, I need you. You only pray if you're humble and you trust God and you believe He is who He says He is. Prayer unlocks this amazing treasure. There was a theolo- there's a theologian in the New Testament named Tom Wright. And he's a, a, an amazing, intelligent man. He knows the scriptures backwards and forwards. And they asked him, When you're on your deathbed, if you had the opportunity to have your whole family around you on your deathbed, what would be your last words to your family? This theologian of the New Testament who knows this book inside and out, he said, What would be your final words you'd give to your family? And he said, It's very easy. I just give him three words Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. He says, and I'll explain why. He says, the person who walks out of the pages of the gospel to meet us is just central and irreplaceable. He is always a surprise. We never have Jesus in our pockets all figured out. He's always coming out and coming at us from different angles. If you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. If you want to know what it means to be human, look at Jesus. If you want to know what love is, look at Jesus. And go on looking until you're not just a spectator, but you're part of that drama where Jesus is the central character and you are involved in the story. You see, that's where I want to live. Do you want to live there? To that place where prayer becomes this thing that ushers you into the true reality of what's going on, that we are with God and part of this grand plan and this grand story. One of the deep longings of the human heart is our need for God, and that longing is fulfilled in the heart of the humble who go before God in their humility and dependence and say, God, I want you and I need you. He meets us there. He reveals things there. He shows us the secrets of his heart there when we're in that place. You see, sometimes we have this idea that if I just get more and more knowledge, if I just knew all those things that pastors knew, if I just knew all those things that the people that write those books knew, if I knew all that stuff, then I would get somehow closer. And Jesus said, No, 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 no. All you need to do is be humble, all you need to do is be dependent. All you need to do is acknowledge who I am, trust in me. And when you feel that thing in your life that's saying, I've got to prove myself and I've got to show how important I am and I've got to show all these things, I've got to correct those people and tell them what they're doing is wrong and do all that. And pause and come to Jesus. And let him fulfill the what's driving that stuff. So that's the first longing. The second longing we see in verse 28, it's revealed there. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. After Jesus reveals this statement that the humble and the infants and those who are broken get to come and know his heart, now he's giving this general invitation to all those who have weariness in their life, to all those that feel like life is so difficult, it's hard to keep going. For all those who are burdened, he says, just come. Burdened with what? Burdened with sin. Burdened with anxiety. Burdened with tragedy. Burdened with pain. Burdened with stress burdened with worry. All the things that are the results of a broken and fallen world, the effects of a broken and fallen world, collect on our hearts like this residue as we walk through life. And when we do that, it starts to weigh, it starts to pull us down. And what Jesus is saying is if that is you, if you feel the weight of your sin and you think you can't get out of it, if you feel that you are weighted down by all these regrets that you wish you could go back to your life and change, but you know you can't and it just kills you, if you feel burnt out that your schedule just keeps pushing you and pushing you and pushing you and you can't. If that is you, all you have to do is just come. Just come. You don't have to figure it all out. You don't have to fix it. You don't have to change it. Just come. We will figure this out. We will do this together. Will you just come? What a precious promise he's saying here all the pain, all the heartache, all the sin, all the guilt, all the shame, all the regret, those things that cling to us and they feel like we can't let them go. Some of you came in here this morning, you're hanging on, and you would give anything to let go of that guilt and that shame. And no matter what you do, it just seems to stick there. And Jesus is saying, all you gotta do this morning is come. Just come. I love you in the midst of it. All you gotta do is come. We'll take care of that. As a loving, heavenly Father who loves you, will you just come? Will you stop trying to fix it all and just come? Do you come here this morning sick of your sin? Do you come here this morning and you're like, you know what, I sin and I do that thing over and over and over and over, no, ma- no matter how much times I read the Bible, no matter how much scripture I memorize, no matter, how- I never grow, I just keep coming over and I just keep doing that, I'm sick of it. Jesus says, come. Just come. I'm not kicking you out. We're all good. Just come. Maybe you're here and you're feeling like, man, if you only knew what I just experienced in my life, if you only knew the pain, if you only knew the heartache, if you only knew how bad it hurt, I have no idea why God would allow me to go through something like that. If you only knew how bad it hurt, Jesus says, just come. Just come. Don't try to figure out all the theology. Just come. Maybe you're here and you're like, you know what, I just, I keep pursuing this thing because I want it so bad and I'm just going through these motions and I'm going through the rat race and I'm running and running and running and running and all of a sudden I turn around and it's Sunday and I keep running and running and it just doesn't feel like life anymore. Jesus says, come. Just come to me. Come to me in that stuff. Let me make it really, really simple just come to me whenever you're lost, whenever you can't find it, whenever all of a sudden you feel just stressed and out of sorts, whenever the pain is so great, whenever you just don't understand, Jesus says, just come. Just come. He gives us this amazing invitation. Just come as you are, broken, tired, guilty, painful, shameful. However you are, just come. And he says that those who come will receive the second longing of their souls met. Those who come will receive the second deepest longing of the hu- human soul, which is to find rest. Soul rest is the second longing, the second deepest desire of the human soul. St. Augustine said that the human being will never find their rest until they find their rest in God. And that is so true. We will never find our rest until we find our rest in God. And so we can chase after all these things because that's our MO. We just go chasing after all these things. That's how our, we're almost hardwired to do, to try to fill and find rest for our souls. And then all of a sudden we find something, we accomplish it, and then a few minutes later we're like, is that all there is to that? Now i got to find something else. And there's this quest to find rest within us. And what Jesus is saying here is if you're on that quest to find rest and nothing seems to be filling it, just come. Just come. Let me be the one that fills that rest. Let me, when I reveal to you and show you more of who I am, when I reveal to you and show you more about the kingdom because you have this humble heart that's coming, this dependent childlike heart that's coming, when I show you that stuff, you're going to experience rest for your souls and you're going to become whole and you're going to become the person I intended you to be. Soul rest is the second longing of the human heart. Look at verses 29 to 30. Now Jesus says, take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Doesn't that sound good to you? I hope you're here and I hope you hear that and you say, rest for your souls. And you're saying, man, I would love to have rest in my soul. Jesus says, come, I'll give you these things. Jesus says, talks about this thing called the yoke. He says, "Take up my yoke." Now if you haven't been in the church for a while, you're probably wondering, what is this yoke thing? If you have been in the church for a while, sometimes they go, like, "Oh, I know the yoke thing. That's the thing with the two ox and they, the oxen, and they put the yoke on, and they walk together and they stay in. But that's, and that's in First Corinthians Paul's talking about that kind of yoke. This is a different yoke. The yoke Jesus is talking about here. I have a picture of it. It's right here. It's what was used in the uh, times of Jesus to carry water and heavy loads. And they put it on the back of their shoulders to distribute the weight. So it wasn't like they had to carry all this like this. It was kind of this weight was distributed and it was easier to walk. And so what Jesus is saying is, "And you come and take up my yoke and you're gonna find that your burden of life is distributed over with me and it's made easier. Notice he doesn't say, come follow me and I'll make all the weights and problems go away. He doesn't say that because God is... A purpose in our suffering. He has a purpose in these ways. But what he does say is, you never have to experience it alone. That I will always be there. I will carry it. And you will find that when I am with you in life, this yoke is easy. This burden is lifted. This burden is light because he's strapped across with you, and the creator of the entire universe is going to carry your load with you. How does that sound? Give me some of that, right? Jesus says, how do I get it? You just come. You come and that's what you get. He says, learn from me. See, Jesus was a teacher, and he was contrasting right now with those religious rulers that were teaching all these people, and the way they were teaching them, they were heaping all these burdens on them. They said, and you want to be really holy, you got to do this, and you got to do this, and you got to do this, and you got to do this. And they were, he was heaping all this stuff on them. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 I'm not like that. That's not the teacher I am. I am the teacher that comes to you in love. I am the teacher that comes to you in truth. I am the teacher that comes to you in grace and rest and peace, because I am the one teacher that attaches myself to you when you come to me with a humble and broken and needy heart. See, I'm a teacher like you've never seen. You want to know what kind of teacher is? Don't miss this. Don't miss this. We're going to get into something in this verse here that's really, really special. Jesus is going to tell us what he is like, and you know what? This is the only place in the Bible... Where Jesus tells us what his heart is like. It's the only place in the Bible. Verse 29, he says, learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart. Wow. What does that mean? What Jesus is saying is I am gentle in my power. He's saying I have power, more power than you can ever imagine, and all I'd have to do is blink and it could wipe out all of humanity destroy the whole entire universe. I have more power than any human being can ever imagine, but I hold it with restraint because I love you so much and I'm going to carry my children with me and enter into their lives and I could be the greatest teacher you'd ever imagine because I have all this power under restraint with wisdom and love. You're not going to find this anywhere where you're searching. You'll never find rest in any other place. He is gentle in his power, humble in heart. And when he comes to us in this way, it brings our soul to rest. So what does this have to do with prayer? Prayer is that place when we just come. When we come before him, when we say, God, I need you, or we just say, stop and pause in silence, and we don't even say a word, but we just imagine ourselves in Jesus' presence, we're responding to his invitation to come. And when we do that, we receive these things. Mother Teresa said this. She said, I always begin my prayer in silence, for it is in the silence of the heart that God speaks. God is the friend of silence. We need to listen to God because it's not what we say, but what he says to us and through us that matters. Prayer feeds the soul. As blood is to the body, prayer is to the soul, and it brings you closer to God. It also gives you a clean and pure heart. A clean heart can see God, can speak to God, and can see the love of God in others. As blood is to the body, so prayer is to our souls. Prayer is bringing to us that life-giving oxygen and life we need as Christians to survive in this world and flourish. Here's what I know to be true. We as human beings, have these two deep longings. The longing is our need for God and the longing to find rest for our souls. And here's what I know to be true. We will never find those in our own strength and wisdom. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. He is the only way we get to access these things. He is the only way that we can have our need of our heart and our longing met and experience rest for our weary souls. There was a pastor who had a two-year-old daughter, and they had kind of a routine that they would do, and that's uh, before bedtime. They would sit in this recliner, and they'd kick back the recliner so they're propped up, and that two-year-old would crawl kind of right into her daddy's arms right there. And some of you daddies and some of you daughters and some of you sons and some of your mothers know exactly what I'm talking about. And they'd crawl there and he'd read a book to her every night before she went to bed. And they would just kind of stay. And as he read, she would just kind of put her head on his shoulder and they would just sit in this kind of tender moment. And he kind of developed this habit of going to do this every night before we go to bed. But then, like any good pastor, there's these things called evening meetings where he was out two nights, three nights, four nights a week, and he wasn't around for bedtime. And so what he tried to do after feeling guilty about it for a while is he would say, okay, we're going to have dinner, and then before I dash off to my meeting, we're going to have that book time. So he'd, he'd grab the book and he'd say, come on, sweetheart, let's let's have this time together. Let's, let's go and have our book time together before I have to leave for my meeting. Come on, let's go. And so he would sit on the edge of the recliner and he'd pick her up and because he's, he didn't want to get all comfortable because he's got to keep moving on. He's got to keep going. And so he said, let's let's sit and read. And this little girl would grab the back of his pants say, scoot. Scoop back, Daddy. Scoop back. Scoop back, Daddy. You see, she wanted this. She wanted that time with her daddy. She wanted that time with her father. She wanted to experience that tender moment where the secrets of the father's heart are felt and transferred over to this little girl, and this little girl's hearts are, are transferred back over to the daddy, and they have this moment. What kind of spiritual life do you want? Do you want the spiritual life that's at the edge of the recliner where you're flying and you're going and you're doing all this stuff and you know about that much of God in your heart but you may know a whole lot in your head because you've been around the Christian environment but yet if you really are honest with yourselves, the depth of your heart and your soul and your spirituality is more like you're just sitting with God on the edge of this recliner getting ready to jump to the next thing so you can check your box that you had your quiet time and you did what you did because you got to move on. Or are you saying, scoot back, Daddy. Scoot back. Let's kick up this chair and let's sit for a while. I want to know your heart. I want to know who you are. I want the deepest longings of my soul fulfilled in you and to see the pleasure of God the Father and his glory as he fulfills the deep longings and hearts of his children. That's what I want. See how much better that is? That's what God's calling us to, church. That's what he's calling us to to come and be with him, to just come. Now, we're going to try something, and some of you might really like this and enjoy it and and say, wow, that was awesome. And some of you might say, that was totally weird. It's going to be okay. I promise you'll get through it. But I want us to just kind of practice sitting in that recliner a little bit through what I call Bible meditation. And we're going to just kind of sit back and practice. There's a spot in your bulletin on the bottom, if you're looking at sermon notes, it'll have verses 29 and 30, and there's this place that while we're doing this, maybe if God's bringing things into your mind, you could jot them down there and write that. Or maybe you just want to sit in quiet and be with God. Or maybe this is just kind of weird. That's okay, just check out for a few minutes and we'll come back, it'll be okay. But I want to kind of... Give an exercise. It's something you can do. And to be honest with you, the goal here would be to kind of give you a taste of the scoop back daddy recliner moment. But even because we're rushed and we're in worship, service, it's going to kind of still feel like on the edge. But it's going to hopefully whet your appetite to do this more. And all I'm going to do is I'm going to read these two verses over and over a couple times, maybe two or three times. And what I want you to do is practice being in the presence of your heavenly Father. I want you to kind of just picture yourself with your Heavenly Father. Listen to what I have, I'm have. i going to be saying. You can, if you're kind of a visual person and you have to read it, you can. If not, I encourage you just to close your eyes and just hear what I'm saying and just be in God's presence. And if things come to your mind and you're a writer and you want to write, you can use that space or if you want to just be there and rest, whatever you want to do. But let's practice this kind of spiritual Practice of going back with our God in acknowledging our need for Him, acknowledging our dependence upon Him through this little exercise. Just quiet your hearts before God. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Lord Jesus, I just thank you that when we humble ourselves and come for you, you reveal to us who you are and you fulfill the deep longings of our heart. And God, right now, if there's areas of our life that we're still clinging to, to try to get our longings met, would you put your finger on that and say, with that, I want you just to come to me? Those areas of pain, perhaps, those areas of striving, those areas that, of confusion, will you just give us the grace to just come to you and give that to you? Help us to meet you in those places. I thank you that you tell us just to come. There isn't extra requirements here. We just need to be needy. We just need to be broken. We just need to be humble. And so, God, if there's lies that are telling us different, I ask you to silence the voice of those in Jesus' name and help us to come to you and know you and find rest for our souls. And we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Please stand.